This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. We are live from Mobile, Alabama for the 2024 Senior Bowl, and all of Pewter Report is in the building. I'm talking about the face that runs the play, Scott Reynolds. I'm talking about Adam Sly Slavon. I'm talking about B.A. himself, Bailey Adams. Maybe we'll get Bruce Arians on the show again. And, of course, Josh Capo as well. We have a very exciting week ahead of us for the Senior Bowl that is starting up tomorrow. We made the drive today. And, Scott, thank you to Celsius for getting us through this trip because they were a big part of us getting through that long drive. No doubt. Uh, when you look at, at Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report, Matt, it's no surprise that uh, Celsius, the essentials, these are the brand new flavors here. I've, I've got the, the orange sickle. Matt, you've got blue the, crush. the blue crush. Uh, these are absolute go-tos. And see how big the cans are? These, mm-hmm. these are not the skinny cans. These are the big ones. Get the job done. They get the job done. There's no doubt about it. So uh, our, our show, as always, energized by Celsius. But this Senior Bowl week, is energized by Celsius as well. And there's a lot of, of news to talk about in terms of, of the, the Senior Bowl, and we're going to get to that. But yes. there was also some big news today. We had a couple of actual interviews, Matt, after a couple of candidates that the Buccaneers wanted to speak to, opted to take jobs elsewhere without even interviewing with the Buccaneers. At least they got a couple of interviews done. We found out on Friday they interviewed Antoine randall He was a former assistant with the Buccaneers, left the organization a couple of years ago to take the job of the Lions as their wide receivers coach and uh, did a pretty good job. This, re- this Lions receivers are pretty good. Hurt the Bucs a lot, too. They certainly did <laughs> on two occasions this year. Uh, so he was in an interview on Friday, and then today they interviewed uh, Alex, Alex Van, Van Pelt. Pelt. Yeah, yes. uh, and the big part of this as well with Van Pelt, of course, is that there is that connection to Baker Mayfield. Van Pelt obviously spent some time as the offensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. Did not call the plays except for a couple of brief uh, situations, but he did get to coach Baker Mayfield when he was the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. So this is super important, of course, because it's telling that there's a better chance that the Bucs are trying to entice Baker Mayfield to come back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which seemed like a week ago, more of a sure thing. But right. now, especially with the moves going on in Atlanta and a couple of former Rams that Baker Mayfield worked with as well on that side, Bucks fans might have to worry just a little bit. I'm not going to say it's, it's a guarantee yeah. or anything of that nature, but just a little bit that you may see Baker Mayfield. You may see the Bucks' former offensive coordinator twice a season. You know that for a fact in Carolina. Yeah. There's a chance Baker Mayfield – connected to the Atlanta Falcons, you can connect the dots in that sense. But yeah, it was important to get uh, Alex Van Pelt in the building and have a interview with him as this Bucks offensive coordinator searching party continues. Yeah. And, and I think what you're seeing now too is, is Kellen Moore obviously did an interview and he yeah. went from the chargers being fired there to a, a job with the Philadelphia Eagles, Brian Robinson, was the only other guy that they requested permission to speak with. He has not, at least we know of, has not interviewed yet Mm -hmm. with the Buccaneers. But the other two guys, Zach Robinson, basically said, nope, I'm making the beeline from L.A. to Atlanta. That was a foregone conclusion with Raheem Morris getting that job. And then the other candidate uh, was Jake Peets. Yes. Yeah, let me talk about Jake Peets here for a second. So, uh, So he is a Rams passing game. Um, not a coordinator, but an assistant. Yes. And, and so they didn't get Zach Robinson. Maybe they can get a guy that 
that shares a brain over mm-hmm. there with Sean McVay right. and Zach Robinson. And again, has some familiarity with, with Baker Mayfield there. They're looking for some connections. I think that's why Alex Van Pelt was interviewed. And I think this is why, why Pete's is also interviewed. And when it comes to Todd Bowles, right, it's just coaching staff. I think that's why Antoine Randallel mm-hmm. got some interviews as well. Another offensive-minded guy and with no play-calling experience. And we should you know, point out that while Alex Van Pelt was not the play-caller in Cleveland, he did work with Baker Mayfield, kind of like what Todd Munkin did in 2019. Essentially, the head coach Freddie Kitchens was the play caller for the Browns. Munkin was the offensive coordinator, and just like in Dave Dave Canales' system in Carolina, whoever he hires, whether it ends up being his good friend Brad Idzik, who that interview is supposed to take place, I believe, this week. Brad Idzik might be the offensive coordinator of the Panthers, possibly, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't be the play caller, right? right. So, same type of situation here. Antoine Randall doesn't have any experience. Uh, neither does Pete's. Neither does uh, Van Pelt. So I think the Buccaneers are going to be in a situation. And, and I shouldn't say that. Van Pelt had some play calling experience way back in Buffalo. Yes. So he's done it before, but not, not recently. But this is going to be a situation probably where um, they're either going to get somebody that Bowles is familiar with, like Antoine Randall, mm-hmm. or someone that Baker Mayfield is interested in, whether it's, it's Alex um, – Van Pelt, or if it's uh, uh, Jake Peets. I want to continue with the candidates that are coming and actually interviewing with Todd Bowles and the rest of the front office. But let me ask you, Scott, how much of a concern is it that once again, the Bucs find themselves in a situation for the second year in a row where yeah. people are saying, hey, thanks for the offer, but no thanks. I don't even, not this me, but I don't even want to talk to you yeah. right now. I want to go sign with another team. How much of a concern is that? It, it is a concern. It really is. And and uh, I, I think the Bucks are a little stunned that they're in this situation again. Nothing against Coach Bowles. He deserves to stay here if that's what the Lasers and Jason Light decide to, to do. However, it's one thing, Matt, when you, when you go from a situation where Todd Bowles takes over as, as head coach – Mm-hmm. And and uh, and has one year of Tom Brady, and then well, who's going to be the quarterback, right? So the Buccaneers last year they didn't have a quarterback; they had yeah. to find their offensive coordinator in February, and they did with Dave Canales. But they interviewed nine other people before Canales, and we know that Todd Munkin turned them down to go to the Ravens, and uh, Dan Pitcher turned them down to stay with the Bengals as their quarterbacks coach, knowing that Brian Callahan was going to get a job this year, which he did, and then he would be elevated to that role of, of offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, which is what happened. So, Matt, there was no quarterback last year. Uh, Todd Bowles had to win. He, did. Right? he was kind of on the hot seat entering the year. And, you know, there was a lot of, of, uh, of things up in the air. A lot of mystery. A lot of mystery for right. sure. And that's why, Flash Gordon, I appreciate you watching the show in the comments. But respectfully, I'm going to disagree with your comment right now that says no one wants to work with Baker Mayfield. I can understand that last season when he was on the downcline yep. of, of his career and who knows what would have happened if, right. uh, if he struggled. But I mean, Baker Mayfield got nominated for comeback player of the year. He yeah. won a uh, pro football writer uh, award. Right. He's a pro bowl alternate. And as we saw Dave Canales um, revived his career essentially yeah. like he did with Geno Smith. And I know not every single person wants to compare Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield, right. but nonetheless, I mean, you have something to work with. All the dominoes have to fall into place, especially with Mike Evans, and yeah. we'll spend all offseason talking about that and some of the other pieces. But I don't know. I think for an offensive coordinator, especially for some of the guys that are coming in-house, yeah. for example, Antoine Randall L. that hasn't had an opportunity right. to, to call plays yet, there could be worse situations to be in than a quarterback that just had a great touchdown-to-interception ratio, yeah. a team that went to the second round of the playoffs and have – a fair amount of pieces in place, yeah. not all the pieces in place, and more salary cap. I don't think it's Baker Mayfield. I, I think there's some skepticism about Todd Bowles, and that's kind of my point. Yeah. You go from, from not having a quarterback last year who's going to replace Tom Brady, not sure, right, to, okay, well, now Todd Bowles has won two NFC South championships. He's won a playoff game, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. if you add up all the wins from this past season, they won 10 games, right? They're finished 10-9, and nine, so um, – I just don't know if if people want to work with Todd Bowles. And 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 I say that, you know, out of respect for Todd, but mm-hmm. they shouldn't be in this situation again because Baker Mayfield, all indications are he wants to return. Mike Evans wants to return. 
He's coming off of a, a banner year. You still have Chris Godwin. Rashad White emerged as as a, the the fourth best all pur- all purpose running back yeah. this year in terms of total yardage. Uh, you've got a pair of bookend tackles in Luke Gedeke and Tristan Wirfs. You've got an exciting young player in Cody Malco. I think is going to get nothing but better. Yeah. So there's a lot to work with with this offense, and and I think that if you're looking for uh, a reason why no one really wants to come to Tampa, you have to look at the common denominator, which is last year it was Todd Bowles, and maybe it's this year's Todd Bowles as well. And that's another scary thing, not even just because of Todd Bowles, but because Bowles is a defensive coordinator. We literally just saw how it played out. You bring in a new offensive coordinator that's trying to make a name for themselves or at least elevate their career. They succeed to a degree. Right. And now they're a head coach in Dave Canales and the Carolina yeah. Panthers. So, well, if anything, Todd Bowles is a kingmaker. Do you want to come here? <laughs> yeah. Coach for one year as an offensive coordinator, then go become a head coach. Yeah, but, that side of it for yeah. sure. Absolutely. I'm thinking from like the, the player perspective yeah. of like, why do I want to sign here if a yes. guy's going to leave right. Um, right after? But it does make it a little bit of a conundrum because you can help yourself in that way, but maybe you don't get every single type of personnel that you necessarily want. But yeah. that's why the Bucs have done. Um, such a good job through the draft over the, the past couple of years yeah. as they uh, as they develop this team. We got a couple of super chats to get yep. to real quick. Uh, both a little this first part. I, I do want to make a point with uh, Cam. Thanks for the dollar ninety nine super <laughs> chat. Who says 49ers or Chiefs wish both could lose. The one thing I did want to say to bring it back to the box and development and all that stuff. Yep. There's a lot of Buccaneers on the Chiefs, and then the 49ers obviously have uh, Logan Ryan that was on the team last right. year. But you look at the players on the Chiefs. Justin Watson was drafted yep. by the Bucs. Mike Edwards, obviously. Donovan Smith from, from way back in the day. So Blaine Gabbard. Blaine Gabbard. Maybe Blaine not Gabbard. drafted by the Bucs, but a, a literal hero. Yes. Saved multiple lives Absolutely. in Tampa Bay. So that cannot be overlooked as well. So a lot of cool uh, representation yeah. of also Bucs uh, players. Good friend of mine, uh, Joe Cullen, defensive line coach for the Chiefs as well, who was a former defensive line coach here under levy smith so there are a lot of connections with with the chiefs i'm a kansas city guy you man. are a kansas city i'm a kansas guy. city guy through and through and and i i hate to do this to my kansas city brethren but i rooted for you against the 49ers the first time because it's been so long since len dawson the chiefs had won a super bowl right um mission accomplished you you won the super bowl rooted against you when you played the tampa bay buccaneers here in tampa actually we're not in tampa but in tampa for super bowl 55 and uh, and Patrick Mahomes had a horrible night, thanks to Jason Pierre-Paul, Todd Shaq Bowles, Barrett, Shaq yeah. Barrett, that entire defense, right? Antoine Winfield Jr., right? Um, and then I rooted for the Chiefs again against Philadelphia because who likes Philadelphia? No, nobody, right? No one. So uh, having said that, I got a guy in, in San Francisco, John Lynch, pretty well known, who, yeah. who I'm tight <laughs> with, and and I I like John a lot, and I rooted against John the first time around, and the Chiefs won. Now they've won two Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes. They've been there three times. I, I got to go 49ers faithful here a little bit, and I, I got to go with John Lynch. So I just think it's so tough to doubt. Even though they were the defending Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs are still getting doubted like week in and week out and playoff game after playoff game. Fuel still got Patrick Pat Mahomes, Mahomes. Yeah. and that Chiefs defense is, is yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah. All I'll say about the game is if you're a Bucs fan – I think you kind of want the Chiefs to win again because then you can still say, hey, we're the only team that could have knocked them off. Right. The, the Bucs are the only squad that could have done it. So uh, yep. that's one way I would look at it yep. for sure. Thanks to LDBC's Most Wanted for the $4.99 Super Chat, who says, PR, White, Gattaki, Camarda, McCollum have developed well. Kudos to the staff. Yep. What are their ceilings? What do you think of the 2023 draft class ceiling? Um, I think Rashad White is nearing his ceiling. I mean, again, you're looking at a guy that is a thousand yard rusher, essentially we're 990. We're going to round up for Rashad's yeah. sake here. I think, I think the absolute ceiling for Rashad probably because he's not the fleetest of foot uh, is maybe 1200 yards in a season, right? Which isn't bad. I mean, yeah. I think he would take that. And, and in terms of receptions and, and yards and all of that, um, 500 is a good number. I think he you know, he got a little bit more than 500 this year. Can he get to 600? Maybe. So I think the absolute ceiling and the best year for, for Rashad White, breaking tackles, missing tackles, slipping tackles, outrunning people, et cetera, 1,200 and 
and, and maybe 600 yards receiving. I think he's close to his ceiling right now. And, and, and that's not a knock on him. He's a, he's a good player. He's a really good player. I don't know if that he's a Pro Bowl back necessarily. We'll see in time. Camarda, I think, has got Pro Bowl talent. You yeah. Know? He can boot it. Yeah. Yeah, we just got a thumbs up from, from Josh Capo there, who is the resident Jake Camarda lover over here. Uh, Luke Edicke, I think, can, can get better. I, I think that he and we also have a double thumbs up here from uh, from Luke Gedicke admirer uh, Adam Sly Slavon um, is in the house as well. Uh, having said that, I think Gedicke can can get to like a Demar Dotson level where he can be yeah. a long term starter, a guy that you want, kind of like a Brian Kelly was opposite yeah. Rondé Barber. Right? It's like if you look at Brian Kelly was a steady Eddie at that other cornerback spot actually led the NFC in interceptions the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl because Rondé was the other guy. Rondé the year before mm-hmm. led the NFL in interceptions. And so I, I think the Gedeke can be that maybe eight to 10-year guy at right tackle. Tristan Wirfs is going to be the superstar. But yeah. I think th- th- that the other spot can be anchored by Gedeke for some time. And then um, McCollum. I think it, it just he's got to turn into that guy that he was at Sam Houston, the interceptor. He's got the ability to do it. He did it multiple years in college. I want to say he had four years, Matt, where he had no fewer than three interceptions. Mm-hmm. So he can do that. It's just a matter of we saw his his coverage improve, his tackling improve. The next step for him is going to be the sticky fingers, getting your hands on passes, picking them off. And then he's got the speed and the athleticism to go pick six. Yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic point that you just made. Like each year, Zion has gotten better in one way or another. I mean, his tackling was atrocious the year before, yeah. but it was uh, much, much better and improved this year. Yeah. Uh, out of the whole group of some of the people that LDBC's most wanted uh, just named, I will put McCollum and Gedeke as like those that's still have in, in yeah. a positive way have a ways to go right with their ceiling and that's josh is hoping for a camarda as well <laughs> um just because when you when you look at this group and everything like that the bucks have their tackles they yeah. don't need to improve and get an offensive tackle this right. year though we're still having conversations about the bucks adding in another running back yeah. and that's just the style of football in general is yeah. Sometimes you need that that second running back. And hats off to Rashad White. Yeah, started all seventeen games. Right, didn't get hurt, didn't miss a game. Had a lot to prove as a starter this year too. His first time as a starter. So I mean, I think they can all improve for sure. But like, who can be the best of the bunch? I think it would be McCollum or uh, Gedeke, especially because McCollum. Yes, he wasn't a starter, but he was a starter this year to the point that he even played safety as well. So. Maybe just going into the season knowing, all right, you're lining up on the outside. You're going to be the starting cornerback. Yep. That can help generate something where you start making the, uh, the the interceptions because the rest of the corners won't do it. So maybe maybe Zion will. Yeah, exactly. Folks, uh, it's Monday. Monday night. It's not 420, but it's 720. It's Peter prime time. It is Peter prime time. And uh, we're still going to do this little thing we call roll call. Where are you at, Peter people? We are at a different location than where we typically do the show, like we said from the beginning. We are in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. But nonetheless, when we do Monday shows, we do roll call at 420 or 720 whenever we are going live. One of the funnest things we do with the Peter people. So what we're about to do is, as everyone starts putting their location up on the screen in the chat, we will throw all of them on the show and give a couple shout outs to uh, some fans after some Peter people after uh, as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. So let's talk about the senior bowl. That's why we're here, right? Uh, this guy right here, Cody Mouth. Remember him from last year I at the do. senior bowl? Yeah, we were here. Peter reports always here. Matter of fact, uh, we've been here. This is, I've been to every senior bowl since 2005, which makes wow. me an old man. And, and Jason Light has also been to every senior bowl because that's his job. <laughs> and he has drafted at least one player from every senior bowl um, that he has been to as a Buccaneer general manager. In most years, it's at least two. I'm going to read off the names real quick here. 27 names total. 27 senior bowl participants drafted by the Buccaneers, starting with Running back Charles Sims, West Virginia running back in the third round back in 2014. That was Jace Light's first draft. Folks, we had Charles Sims as a Bucks best bet at running back back oh, there yeah. because he had a pretty good senior bowl. 
Wyoming's uh, wide receiver, Robert Haran, was the other guy in 2014. And then, of course, 2015, everybody knows Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet, right? And then 2016, Noah Spence, swinging a miss there. A little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and Dan Vitale, the, the Northwestern fullback. 2017, O.J. Howard was the first-round pick from the Senior Bowl, as well as Justin Evans, a second-round pick from the Texas A&M Aggies. He was the safety 2018, they drafted three players from the Senior Bowl. MJ Stewart, who was the best defensive back that we could practice, ended up not being a very good pick. Alex Kappa in the third round out of Humboldt State, the left tackle, they moved inside to guard. And Justin Watson, who you mentioned, Matt, Mm -hmm. playing for the Chiefs now, the Penn wide receiver, was a fifth-round pick. Then you get to 2019, Mike Edwards, who's also playing for the Chiefs. The Kentucky safety was a third-round pick by Jason Light. And Anthony Nelson, fourth-round pick. Outside linebacker from Iowa, he played defensive end at Iowa. In 2020, it was some guy that we all don't like, Keyshawn Vaughn, <laughs> who was probably 21 one, could not do something. Probably for, uh, one of, of Jason Light's worst uh, draft uh, picks, especially in terms of value. And and then in 2021, things picked up. Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame in the third round. KJ Britt was also a Senior Bowl participant, and of course, the the fans here loved it because he's mm-hmm. an Auburn War Eagle Tiger. And um, and then you you finish out that that uh, class with Houston uh, inside linebacker Grant Stewart, who was Mister Irrelevant yeah. that year. Got an Uber commercial out of it. That's right. Yeah. Then in 2022 and 2023, the Buccaneers have drafted five players from each Senior Bowl, folks. That's why we're here. Logan Hall in the second round. Luke Gedeke in the second round. Although Gedeke only, I think, practiced one yeah, day yeah. and then left. I believe he got injured. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Rashad White was at the Senior Bowl. Jake Camarda was at the Senior Bowl. And, of course, Zion McCollum. So those were five players from that draft class in 2022 that were Senior Bowl participants. And, of course, we talked about Cody Malk. And there were four other players from last year's Senior Bowl. Yaya Diaby in the third round. Servasia Dennis in the fifth. Payne Durham also in the fifth. He made a spectacular yes, end zone. I one still remember catch. that. The helmet fell off and everything. Trey Palmer was one of the fastest players, not just at the combine, Matt, but also at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. And they also found an undrafted free agent in Kayvon Merriweather, who if you add him to the mix, that's 28 players from Jason Light's uh, draft class that have uh, that have been selected as, as Buccaneers from their time here in Mobile. So this is a very important exercise for the Buccaneers to come here and see these players. And if history holds true, they're going to pick at least one guy out of their picks, probably at least two. That's what uh, the the past of Jason Light suggests. And if it's a recent past, they might pick more than two because they picked five in each of these last two drafts. Uh, if you want a recap of all of those names, Bailey Adams has that in a story on the front page of PeterReport.com. I dropped it in the chat. Make sure you check that out. Uh, six offensive linemen, more than any other position from the Senior Bowl, have been drafted by the Bucks and Jason Light. And if you want more information on one of those guys, Graham Barton, who we're going to keep our eye on, he was a left tackle at the University of Duke. And our own Josh, Josh Capo did a preview uh, of him, a great run. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline down a breakdown of, of his game with some film clips in there. That's also on the front page of PeterReport.com. Lo and behold, Matt, guess what? Guess what position Graham Barton played at Duke? Left tackle. Where is he projected to be at the, the next level? The inside. The inside, yes. He's <laughs> going to be playing a lot of center and also some guard uh, because he does not have the longest arms. But this is a guy that I think more like an, more like an Ali Marpet. Than, than a Luke Gedeke, right, yeah. in terms of, of Gedeke. Didn't work inside. He's better off at on the outside. I think that, that this guy's tape is pretty exciting. He is a fringe late first round, early second round. I think this is a big week for him to show he can play inside. It was a big week for Cody Mapp last year 
yeah. playing some center, playing some guard, and that's what propelled him to be drafted by the Bucks in the second round. Yeah, there's not many things Jason Light loves more than one just battles in the trenches and and, and filling that role uh, of depth on the Bucks roster, and two offensive linemen that can play outside and inside as well. Because even someone like Robert Hainsey, who the Bucks are kind of looking to replace yep. as a starter now. One thing that the Bucs liked about Robert Hainsey at the time was when he went to the Senior Bowl, he ended up playing all different positions, including positions that he hasn't even at that time played yet. Yes. So uh, versatility is huge for the Bucs on both sides of the football, whether it's uh, you know into the trenches on both sides, kicking an offensive lineman from the outside to the inside, having a D tackle that can kind of line up anywhere, or we've seen how Todd Bowles has used even people like Zion McCollum in the right. – uh, in the secondary, there is uh, a lot of benefits to having uh, versatility. And yeah. speaking of versatility, we had a lot of great contributors to Roll Call today from all different places across the globe. So let's give a couple quick shout outs to Long Lost Glazer, watch from Mobile, right Alabama, just like uh, we are. Very David cool. Stacks in Middleton, Ohio, Middletown, Ohio. Mark Lou, Cape Corral, Florida. Uh, ben Harvey over in Canada, Waterloo, Canada. Kitchener, Waterloo. Uh, Chris Barry and Indy will be at the Combine yep, uh, later in the, later next month. Ryan Hennessy from uh, Durham, North Carolina. Cam right in uh, Tampa, Florida. Craig Ford from Sebastian Inlet, Florida. Another Canadian in the mix, Derek Bowen from St. John, North British uh, Canada. I believe that's what it stands for. And uh, last but not least, Joan Melnick from Alligator Point, Florida. So very, very cool to see everyone chiming in from very different places in the world. And uh, the next thing I would love, too, is for everybody to go and uh, crack open a Celsius. That's right. <laughs> Specifically, the newest Celsius that is out now, the uh, Celsius Essentials. You may have seen in the beginning, I got the Blue Crush. Scott has the orange as well. The Celsius Essentials are fantastic, bigger and better. And that's what we love about Celsius. So whether it's the newest Celsius Essentials, maybe it's old school, like the sparkling orange or the Fuji apple pear or the lemon lime, whatever it is, sparkling watermelon. We love Celsius so much. If you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, which we do, we're, we're in a new area that we're not at all the time, go to the Celsius store locator, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up um, could be at your local Walmart, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store, or maybe, just maybe, your bodega. Great group effort by everybody. And once you keep going to your bodega and you want to get more, get it in bulk, that's when you go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want. Could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly. You're in charge. You're the captain. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drinks of pewterreport.com. You can have two Celsius a day, Shaggy, if you want. There's been some, some times where I've done that for sure. But I'll tell you, these big cans, these, uh, these, these are massive cans, uh, mm -hmm. the Celsius Essentials. You, you can see how big these are. These are, these are really big. So, um these will do the trick for sure. There's yeah. more caffeine, still no sugar. Uh, are there any bo bodegas in Alabama? Yes, there are. And we've already found our Celsius. We brought some. We've yeah. already bought some too. So we are fully loaded when it comes to Celsius. All right, back to the Senior Bowl. There, there has been some news here. And this always happens, and we'll find out kind of the, the why behind this yeah. tomorrow. But there are a couple of players who are not going to be here that we thought were going to be here. I've already put – for your viewing and reading pleasure, my offensive and defensive senior bowl previews, I've got 20 players on offense and defense each uh, that I have scouted and, and done some, some profiles that I think are, are, are good Buccaneer fits for what Todd Bowles and what this offense wants to do. So defense, offense, 40 guys. Now, out of those 40 guys, that number has been pared down a little bit because some of these guys aren't going to actually be at the senior bowl. Sometimes this happens due to a late injury that mm -hmm. a player had uh, uh, occurred during training. Sometimes it's an injury that they thought was going to heal up by now, but just hasn't. Sometimes it's the agent saying, you know what? We're, we like where we're at. We don't want to risk getting yeah. injured. Don't need to push it. Sometimes you see, I've seen a couple of times, ACL tears here, and it's just heartbreaking for these players to go out here and or tear an Achilles, some 
catastrophic injury like that. That happens. It's football. But so there are some players that are not going to be here. And the list is including this guy right here, who's one of the players that we had an eye on in our preview. That's Tennessee running back Jalen Wright. Averaged over seven yards a carry. Just topped a thousand yards. This is an explosive runner. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Jamar Gibbs from Alabama, just the way he runs the ball. But uh, Byron Murphy, the Texas defensive tackle, is not going to be participating. Jalen Wright from Tennessee as well. Uh, we had Wright as one of those players for the Buccaneers in our, our 20 Bucks targets. Uh, Troy uh, Fontenot from Washington. Washington who is the left tackle. Now, keep in mind, Michael Penix from Tampa is a left-handed quarterback, but he was the left tackle at Washington, which is kind of like being yes, the right tackle. Yeah, being the right tackle and yeah, for but everyone else. like Graham Barton, probably projected inside because he's 6'4", 315, doesn't have the, the longest arms, but but the, the Washington tackle or guard is not going to be participating. Cooper Beebe from Kansas State, who was a, a guard in college, may even get a look at center, is not going to be here as well. Cedric Van Pran, speaking of centers, or Van Pran, the Georgia center is also not going to be here. Michael Barrett, the linebacker from Michigan, who is also a Tampa also on, kid. Yeah, on your list as well. Yep, he was on the list, as well as um, Mike Senestrill, the cornerback from Michigan. If you watch the national championship game, he's the guy that had that last interception of Michael Penix in the fourth quarter to seal the win for the Wolverines. So two players from Michigan, Barrett and Sanistrill. Both of those guys were on our defensive list. Uh, Van Pran, uh, Fontenot, and Wright. Those three players were, were also on our list of offensive players. So five guys out of our 40 targets that aren't going to be here, but there's going to be plenty of guys yeah. that will be here. And, Matt, one of the guys that you mentioned is uh, Travande uh, Sweat, who is the other Texas tackle. And this guy reminds me an awful lot of Vita Vea. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Just one of the premier nose tackles in this year's draft class. I mean, once once he gets a hold of you, I know he's a defensive tackle, so he's not really going to try to be holding you. He's going to be trying to take advantage of uh, you trying to stop him. I mean, the run that he had at the end of the year was just truly like one of the best runs for a defensive tackle that we've really seen as a Bat W says Vita style. There are shades of Vita Bea to his game. Um, he's quick enough for even a guy at his size and just his ability to attack the, the offensive lineman in front of him. I mean, good luck if you want to try blocking him one-on-one because he at times will just make you look absolutely silly. So uh, I know defensive tackle isn't necessarily the number one priority for the Buccaneers in this year's drafts, but like as soon as you watch him play and especially the year that Texas had, obviously they didn't reach their goal because Michael Penix got the better of uh, Texas before that national championship game. Uh, But obviously sweat was a huge part of that Texas defense, what he can do. And uh, yeah, he's just a really fun player to watch is can, can take over a game playing right over the center. And any team that has that, obviously the best way to build pressure is in the face of the quarterback up the middle and, and sweat, uh, it's one of those exciting players to watch. Yeah. Hey, guys, can you find a way in for Sweat today? I'm just curious as to what that is. So we'll, we'll get that. Like We've got some snack guys. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get that in a second here. Scott Valdez. And, and Sweat, just so you know, probably a day two guy, second, third round pick. depending. And this is a big week for him to see how he does. But um, so probably not going to be a Buccaneer, right? Because there's yeah. more press. Uh, Scott Valdez says, please draft the stud edge rusher in the first round. Well, the good news is there are some guys here that kind of fit that, that bill. And one of the guys that we're interested in watching is, is the, the, the lead graphic yep. guy. And that's Chris Braswell, who we had from Alabama in, in our first mock draft going to the Bucks at number 26. Braswell played opposite Dallas Turner, who's expected to be a top 15 pick this year and was kind of a one-year wonder, mm-hmm. Matt. But the reason why is because he was playing behind Turner and – this other guy named Will Anderson Jr. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good from from what I hear. Yeah, I mean, uh, really up there with Yaya Diaby as some of the uh, the top rookie pass rushers exactly. this season, and guys that get after the quarterback. And well, he also went third overall. Too. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But what has okay. not weighed in yet? All right, 
we don't have a weight for, for sweat. Uh, maybe he broke the scale. We're not sure. But <laughs> but Chris Braswell is a player we're interested in watching. He is one of these, these potential targets. Three forced fumbles, eight and a half sacks, uh, very good closing speed. And he's the finisher. Unlike Joe Trinshwinka, that was kind of his uh, issue the first couple of years, mm-hmm. is not finishing those sacks. This guy's a finisher. And, and, uh, and also uh, has, has got a pretty – wide array of moves for a player that was mm-hmm. that was mostly a rotational player at Alabama up until this year. He really has got kind of a wide array of, of pass rush moves. So that's a player that I think could be an option there. The other player, if you're looking at number 26 without any movement, is is one of the top two safeties, and that's that's uh, Cameron Kinchins. Kinchins is uh, uh, a playmaker, 11 interceptions over the last two seasons, more of a free safety, but has some experience in the box. And it's going to be interesting to see if he really separates himself from some of the other safeties here. Uh, George has got a couple of really good safeties here, I know. Yep. And the other top safety, Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. Why does that, that sound familiar, a safety from Minnesota? <sighs> well, the last time the box took one, he went on to be a first-team All-Pro That's and right. a Super Bowl champion. That's right. That's right. So – Tyler Newbin is not here. He's the other safety that is possibly in that late first round, early second round. And if you remember a couple of years ago, the Buccaneers, they were strongly considering drafting Lewis Seen from Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was Lewis Seen or Logan Hall. Logan Hall. They traded down knowing that they could get one of those guys. And they did uh, the Minnesota Vikings with the last pick of the first round in 2022 did take Lewis Seen, who really hasn't done much for them. I think he's been hurt up there in Minnesota, yeah. but the Buccaneers did take Logan Hall with the next pick. So Todd Bowles being a former safety, that is a position where it's near and dear to his heart. And let's face it, Ryan Neal didn't exactly work out this year. They have a void there at strong safety. And you got to be able to play both safety roles in Todd Bowles. Exactly. Because he does so much movement and disguise. We saw Anton Winfield Jr. play a lot in the box this year to get some of those sacks. Exactly. And I know I said versatility before, but that is the key with Todd Bowles. And that's what makes Kitchens so much fun is the, the playmaking ability, the athleticism, and just when you watch these highlight tapes of these players, I know I personally, when, when I watch some certain guys, I go, oh, like I could just see him in the box yeah. defense or wow, like this is how this would work on the Buccaneers. And I think he absolutely falls into that category again. Zion McConnell got moved to safety for one game and then yeah. they moved them back to another spot. So we know how Todd Bowles likes to drop anybody in coverage, like a defensive tackle can drop in coverage yeah. or a safety like Antoine Williams Jr. can play up at the line of scrimmage. So being able to do a little bit of everything and take the ball away, yes. obviously, um, it is music to Bucks fans ears. That really is because... The Buccaneers had 13 interceptions. That's not a bad number, Matt, but only nine from the secondary this year. And that, mm. that's that's something they've really got to work on. Yeah. You really if you have 13 from the secondary and you, you end up with as, as as a team with 18, getting a couple from your linebackers, getting one or two from your defensive lineman, like we saw Will Golston get his first career he interception. Did. Right? That's the will again. So, yeah. Thursday uh, That's a more acceptable number. 13 to 15 from your secondary, maybe 18, 20 overall as a team, but not mm. 13 with only nine coming from your defensive backfield. So uh, we have a, a super chat here from Paul Morales, $1.99. Thanks so much. Of who is left out there, who do you all like for offensive coordinator? I don't know. I think I like Van Pelt <laughs> just because there is a little bit more of that familiarity yeah. with, um, with Baker Mayfield. So you got Baker who knows his style of offense added with Baker who knows how to play with these group of guys yeah. that he just played with last season. I think the familiarity and experience is probably, in my opinion, most important where like Randall L doesn't Antoine Randall L doesn't really have too much connection to, to Baker Mayfield. Right. He's got it more to the organization. Yeah. And uh, now my question is with, with Alex Van Pelt, for example, right. And, and I agree, I agree with you. He's, he's more of the, the certainly of the, the group that they're looking at interviewing or talking to. He's the more known commodity. Yes. He's he's got more experience. But what type of system does he run? He's been in Green Bay. He's been in Buffalo. He's been in Cleveland. That's and, also true. And he really hasn't been much of a play caller with the exception of, of that year or two in Buffalo. So 
I'm not really sure what type of system he would run, right? I, I, I don't know a lot about him. And, of course, that's the point of the interview, right? That's why Jason Light <laughs> and Todd Bowles are drilling down and wanting to know, hey, you've got some experience. You've worked with Baker. What does Baker do well? What type of offense would you bring? What would it look like? How much of a departure would it be from what we did last year, right? Those are some questions they want to know. And if you want to know about Jason Light and Todd Bowles, they interviewed Alex Van Pelt today in Tampa. And my guess is they're either flying to Mobile tonight or they're, they're going to uh, come in tomorrow morning and, uh, and, and maybe have a shorter stay in Mobile. But in addition to scouting players, they're also looking at some of these draft prospects because the Bucks draft so many players from the senior bowl. Yeah, they got, they got a lot of moving parts, Scott. Between yeah. finding an offensive coordinator, going to the senior bowl, talking to players at the senior bowl as well. There is uh, a lot of uh, different things that they have to do at the moment. And uh, we got another super chat from Cam. Thanks for the dollar ninety nine. Who says, uh, "What's the percentage that Todd gets fired?" Okay, this is a this is an interesting one, right? Because the Buccaneers last year were in a situation where nobody really wanted the job, and if that kind of happens again this year, and just because they interviewed Antoine Randall doesn't mean it was a good interview. Yeah, doesn't mean it was a bad Could interview. Have gone terrible. Same with Alex Van Pelt, right? So. If if this drags on for, say, the rest of this week and they don't have an offensive coordinator, right? And Canales took the job last Thursday. So if it gets to around the 10-day mark and they can't find an offensive coordinator that wants to come here. And again, it's not necessarily because of Baker Mayfield. It might be because the league looks at Todd Bowles and says, you won the NFC South, but you won it with Tom Brady in week 17 and you won it without him in week 18. And you're 17 and 17 as a head coach. You're one and two in the postseason. From the outside looking in without talking to the Blazers, most people I think are going to look at Todd Bowles and say, you may not be on the hot seat, but you're not on solid ground. Yeah. Right. And and I, I don't know that people want to jeopardize their careers or go out on a limb and work for a guy for one year because listen if we're being honest if they lost in week 18 matt to the carolina panthers the worst team in football and finished eight and nine without the playoffs ty Bowles is fired that's how close no he was to getting fired so i i think that is that is what's keeping a percentage alive for todd possibly getting replaced is if if and i'm using the word if here if this team still has a desire for, say, Todd Munkin and the Washington job gets filled and the the uh, Seattle. Seattle job gets filled, right? What, what would it look like if, if Todd Munkin was the head coach and the play caller and Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator, right? Is, is, is that an attractive pairing right there, right? And I'm just throwing out hypotheticals here. If they can't find an offensive coordinator, you might have to go find somebody and, and steal them from a team to be your head coach to replace Todd Bowles. I don't know if the Glaciers want to do that or have the appetite to do that, or if Jason Light has the appetite or the want to to do that. I don't know. But I'm not going to sit here at this juncture with them being in the same boat that they were last year, mm -hmm. not being able to find an offensive coordinator and say that, oh, yeah, it's 100% that Todd Bowles is coming back. I thought that a couple or a week ago when Dave Canales was the offensive coordinator. Now this changes things. Yeah, and there's only one consistent problem in both of these years, and it was who wants to work with the head coach, which is Todd Bowles. And yeah. he obviously has a ton of respect for what he's done as yeah. a defensive play caller, yeah. as he's still done as it's it's the head not coach. Todd personally, it's yeah. Todd's situation. It's, it's not it's personal, the record. it's business. Yeah, essentially what it comes down exactly. to. It's the record with Todd Bowles. And the last thing I'll say about it too is there are just it feels like a lot of times, even when Todd does something good he still finds a way to kind of trip over himself. You know, like they got the great win against the Eagles. They fought hard against the Lions. But what's everyone talking about after the game? It's how he didn't call a timeout at the end right. after they took a knee in the third quarter. So, or uh, on third down in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. So there's just so many different things throughout the year where you go, Todd, like, what's going on? What are, what are you doing in that type of situation? Right. So that's something that uh, for sure needs to get figured out soon. Thanks again to Cam for this $1.99 super chat who says, Jared Wiley, I like him as a player, 
he's in the senior bowl. You know, I, I watch a lot of big 12 football being a Kansas Stater and uh, uh, Jared Wiley is a big time target at, at tight end about six, 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 seven, 255, 260 pounds, eight touchdowns this year. He's a legit red zone weapon, not the fleetest of foot, but kind of like just a, a big monster at tight end. And, and I, I think he would be a, a decent pick on day three. He's a better inline blocker than, than uh, Brevin um, Ford um, at, uh, at Minnesota, the other tight end, who's just about similar size. They're both monster uh, tight ends at 6'7". But I, I, Wiley is a player that, that I, I kind of like. I'm going to do a little bit more digging into him. One of the players we had in our mock draft that will be here that I do have a lot of familiarity with is uh, Ben Sennett from yep. Kansas State. He will be here at the Senior Bowl. His teammate, Cooper Beebe, has, is not going to be there. But this is a player that, that's 6'4", 255. Uh, I think he's a better in-line blocker than, than Kate Otten and, and Payne the Durham. Receiving prowess. And he's got the receiving prowess. A big-time red zone target as well. He's got yards after catch. Uh, he is not Sam Laporta but he is maybe a poor man's Sam Laporta in that respect. I think he is in between a Laporta and a Kate Otten, probably closer to Otten than Laporta, but he's an exciting player that I'm curious to see get some separation, get yards after catch and make some plays here. He was the fourth round pick in Peter Report's mock draft. He's one of the tight ends that will be here. And the Bucs don't need him to be a Sam Laporta or Travis Kelsey or anything like that. They just need another element into this offense. Yeah, Pairing him up with Kate Odden, I think, would be, uh, one, better yeah. for the offense. But yeah. it would be a fun thing to, to watch as well. And regardless of where he ends up going in the draft, next year you'll be able to uh, make some picks on him with Underdog Fantasy using the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, when you sign up and get the app over at Underdog Fantasy. You can still do it for the Super Bowl, which is coming up next weekend, and they have it for all the other sports that uh, you may be watching as well. So you can pick anywhere from two to five players in their pick them. You're just doing higher or lower on a certain number of stats. Could be receiving yards or rushing yards, defensive tackles, um, you know, if it's basketball, a lot of it's points and rebounds and things of that nature. But underdog fantasy, a great way to play some fantasy sports, win some money, uh, win up to 20 times your money as well. So go on over to underdog fantasy. Use that promo code pewter. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. Once again, a shout out to our friends over at underdog fantasy. Yep. I definitely agree, Ben. Uh, Senate's stock is rapidly rising. He might end up in the third round. He might be a, a day two guy. When it's all said and done, it's going to depend on, on how fast he times. And also this week can certainly help him as well. Um, but uh, again, he he's a good tackle breaker. Um, ben Sennett is. I don't know that he is in Laporta's class. Laporta's special. And the Bucks absolutely loved him. The funny thing is the, the Lions draft last year, Gibbs, oh, Laporta, Campbell, Branch. And I was one of those people saying, why are you drafting a running back yeah. there as well? But like, the Bucks, you watch him, he's electrifying. The Bucks loved all four of those players. Mm -hmm. Loved them. And unfortunately, didn't get him. But that's just how it is sometimes. Uh, let's keep these Super Chats rolling yep. in. Thanks to Meets McGee for the $5 Super Chat who says, the Bucks have the eighth youngest team in the NFL and will get younger. Those young guys got a lot of playing experience yes. and playoff experience. That's a great point, Meets McGee. Yep. And I actually wrote about it the other day as well. Um, like many of us, Rashad White was watching the conference championship games on Sunday and then tweeted uh, on X that I'm going to go to uh, a Super Bowl yeah. one day. So I admire the the confidence of it. The question is, can are the Bucs capable of getting to the Super Bowl? And one thing that I said that you could point to as a positive is this is a very young team. And as you're saying, uh, eighth youngest team and Tons of playoff experience already. Rashad White's already played yeah. in three playoff games in two seasons. Yeah. So um, it's great building this so early. That's such a great point, Matt, because when you look at, at this, this nucleus reminds me a little bit, in, in a, again, I'm showing my age here, but of the Tony Dungy Buccaneers of coming yeah. up, right? You had Lynch, you had Sapp and Brooks, all young players. They added Rondi Barber in 97. You had Mike Allstott on the offensive side. Um, Paul Gruber was, was that, that veteran presence to help the young guys come along, Hardy Nickerson, et cetera. So they have a young nucleus now, but the difference is that playoff experience, right? Antoine Winfield Jr. has been a Buccaneer as long as Tristan works, right? Those guys yeah. have been here 
And every single year they've been in the playoffs. That's all they know. Right. The first four years of John Lynch's career, he was not in the playoffs one bit. And Sapp and Brooks came in 95. It took them till 97 mm-hmm. to get to uh, the, the playoffs. So I, I think this group has the potential to to continue to grow and be even better and further ahead. Uh, not Hall of Famers per se, but I mean, we'll see. But but as a team, because of that playoff experience, very good point. And playing in the NFC South, it's like, yeah, you got a you got a better path of the postseason by winning that division That's than right. in many of the other divisions. So, yep. yeah. Uh, thanks to Cam for the four ninety nine super chat, who says uh, Aeneas Smith, Jared Wiley, some good late rounds, but what are we targeting at pick twenty six? Okay, so twenty six, and I want to follow this up with this one right here. Uh, this is a super chat here from Cam, $1.99. Terry and Arnold, the Alabama cornerback uh, for 26. Well, I don't know if Arnold's going to be falling that far. It's going to depend on, on with cornerbacks. It's, yeah. It's time. It's, it's speed. Uh, but whoever is picked at 26 is going to have to be a starter. That's just the way it is in the NFL, right? You can't have, unless you are drafting a quarterback for the future. We saw that with Patrick Mahomes, he sat for a year, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it, that happens. But because yeah, like Alex Smith in Kansas City, but usually that that first round pick has got to be a starter. So the only situation where you would want to draft a corner is if Carlton Davis ends up being a salary cap casualty. Right. But then you've got Zion McCollum and you've got Jamel, Jamel Dean, Dean as your starters in that instance, unless you're going to move Zion McCollum to safety full time mm-hmm. or the nickel corner full time and maybe kick Christian Izzy into strong safety where he played at Rutgers. Um, otherwise, I, I think it's outside linebacker to possibly replace Shaq Barrett. That's a position. Strong safety is a position. Yeah. A guy that you can you can stick in there and say, we're going to get all the value in the world because this guy is going to play and play a bunch. You saw that with Kalijah Kansi, who would have played even more if he didn't get hurt, didn't get hurt in training camp with that cap injury. So th- those are the, the two positions there. The other position, of course, is uh, interior offensive line. Right? We saw Cody Malk play every single snap on offense this year as a rookie. And we mentioned at the top of the show, Josh Capo did an article on Graham Barton, Graham Barton, who is going to be here. And Barton is a player that has the ability to move inside to guard and, or center. And he ended up being a, uh, he ended up being a left tackle at Duke for three years, but like the, the other players, that we've mentioned. Malk was a former left tackle at North Dakota State. Ali Marpet was a left tackle at Hobart College. Alex Kappa was a left tackle at Humboldt State. Robert Hainsey was a right tackle at Notre Dame. And Jason Light moved all those guys inside. Of course, get a kick back outside. So Barton is a player that I could see if he has the ability to hold up well this week, if he tests well athletically, he is a player that could be there for the Buccaneers. So interior offensive line, strong safety and outside linebacker, probably the three best options uh, for the Buccaneers in the first round, if they stay at 26. Yeah, I I would say so for sure. And obviously your mock draft, you had an edge rusher going um, in, in in the first one uh, in the first round and the Bucs will have that decision to make with with Shaq Barrett. And yeah, I think as, uh, as much fun as it is, looking at the current offensive line, just solidifying it a little bit more would make a, uh, would make that much of a bigger difference for that group. And there's a couple of talented interior offensive linemen in, in this year's draft. Josh Capo again has been all over it, whether it's uh, Jackson Powers Johnson or, or Barton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a lot of different options to go with today. Yeah. The, the other name uh, that I want to – Bard played seven sports in his youth, so yeah. can do a little bit of everything yeah. and move around uh, the line as well. Definitely. So thank you, Josh. One, one of the players that, that Tampa needs to keep an eye on is TJ Tampa, who ironically is not from Tampa. He's yeah, actually, sadly. Actually from Pennsylvania. But uh, Cali Bucks, $1.99 Super Chat. Can we put corner TJ Tampa in Bucks jersey? Um, I love him. I, I think he's a fantastic cornerback out of Iowa State. He's a tough physical corner, fits that Todd Bowles mold for what you want in a cornerback. Very competitive on, on the ball. Um, I've seen enough of him at Iowa State. They've got a great defense. They kicked Kansas State's butt in, in the season finale this year. T.J. Tam is a good player. I, I would definitely 
um, recommend him for, for Tampa Bay because I, I think he's a hell of a player. We have a, a little bit of an update, thanks to Bailey Adams for bringing it over. Uh, Aaron Wilson has tweeted out that um, Texans quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson is uh, having an in-person interview Tuesday with the Buccaneers with uh, Todd Bowles for their offensive coordinator job. So uh, another one, of course, in the mix for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their offensive coordinator and working with CJ Stroud obviously uh, worked out pretty well. And who knows what the quarterback situation will look like for the box. Again, you want Baker Mayfield, but Baker is going to have a couple more options than I think a lot of people imagine. So if they do have to go the route of getting a rookie this year, drafting a quarterback this year or going in a different direction, you want a guy that can kind of work yep. with uh, anyone. So th- this is Jerry uh, Johnson. He was with the Vikings before. So he's had exposure to Bobby Slowick in Houston this past season. And then before that with uh, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. So he's, he's got some kind of uh, different systems going for him there. Uh, the one thing I'll say about quarterbacks coaches, and again, like Antoine Randall doesn't have any play calling experience. So there is that factor there. Uh, we, we probably should – Note that Thad Lewis has not received an interview by the Buccaneers. I don't think Thad Lewis is a candidate. I know that's something we've speculated before. If it, if he was a candidate, I think it would have happened by now. And sometimes, and, and maybe this is the case with Gerard Johnson. Uh, we'll see. But sometimes, um, like in this situation, Baker Mayfield's development might be more Dave Canales than Thad Lewis. Right. And it might be more Bobby Slowick in Houston than Gerard Johnson. Or it might be more Gerard Johnson than Bobby Slowick, right? That's what these interviews are for, to kind of get a feel for uh, the, 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 the candidate, ask them questions, kind of put them on the spot a little bit, and, and then also do some digging around the league. You know, just like, like back in 2014. Um, did Mike Evans make Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M? Or did... Johnny Menzo make Mike Evans. I think we know the answer to that now, right? But in 2014, that was kind of a, mm-hmm. of a question. And that's why both of those players were drafted in the first round. And Cleveland found out the hard way. It was Mike Evans who made Johnny football, not so much uh, Johnny Menzo making Mike Evans. Yeah, and I believe it was uh, Peter Report's own Adam Slavon earlier when we were driving up and we were talking about this a little bit, made a great point that like you have teams like Buffalo that are interviewing Thad Lewis. And if if, if another team is, but your own team that has him on the staff yes. isn't even interviewing him, right? What does that say about their belief in him, yeah. at least to this day? Right. Well, and, about and, being an offensive coordinator, you're right. And ultimately, too, you had um, Joe Barry, no, it's not Joe Barry, Joe Brady. Yes, Joe Brady ended up getting that Buffalo job. So I don't even know if Thad Lewis interviewed or not. I know he was requested to interview, but supposedly he's also, Thad Lewis is also requested to interview with the Raiders, Raiders as well. So he's gotten some play from other teams, some interest, but not from the Buccaneers. Doesn't mean that he won't be back as quarterbacks coach. We'll see who the new offensive coordinator is. And if he wants to make any changes to the staff, uh, Todd Bowles gave that flexibility to Dave Canales. And of course, Canales brought in a new receivers coach, Brad Idzik, who as, as of right now is still the receivers coach in Tampa. We'll see later this week, if he ends up mo- moving to Carolina to work with Canales with the Panthers. Have a, a couple more super chats. Appreciate all you guys with these super chats tonight. Uh, Meets McGee with another five dollar one says the Bucks always had success at drafting corners in the second and third rounds. Akeem Talib is probably the best first round corner we ever drafted. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and and uh, this team, whether it was in a Rich McKay or Jason Light, they've done a better job of getting cornerbacks day two, maybe even day three than uh, than in the first round. And then Cam with the four ninety nine super chat. Brian Thank Hunt you. Raves. <laughs> True. Uh, says Chris Braswell, uh, Braylon Trice, Chop Robinson are probably most likely at pick 26. Who are you taking if at, they are at, there? Out of those three, I like Braswell better. I just think he's got probably a better upside. I, I love the production just from, from the one year. And he's got a fall step that he needs to get out of his, his game. But he's got incredible hands, closing speed. He's violent speed. The power's there. Good against the run. Um, he's tough, man. At Alabama, they, they produce tough football players. Um, Brian Branch is one of the latest, yep. right, to come from that Alabama defense for sure. 
And thanks to Grace Point for this uh, $1 super chat. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the uh, great pewter people that uh, joined us tonight for, uh, for this show. We got a lot more coming up this week with the Senior Bowl. We got shows tomorrow and on Wednesday as well, recapping everything that we saw from the Senior Bowl. We'll try to get as many highlights as we can too. But in the meantime, if you're not already doing so, please follow us on all of our social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Pewter Report. And our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. And we plan to have even more content from this week at the Senior Bowl. Yep. We appreciate everyone tuning in for tonight's show. We're live here in Mobile. Got the whole Peter Report crew. Make sure that you follow us on all those social media. We're going to be tweeting out video and notes um, on X. I guess X posting, I think tweeting is, is, a, is a dead term now. But make sure you follow us on social media. We'll have plenty of social media content for you, as well as stories on PeterReport.com. And, of course, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Eastern time, another Peter Report podcast right here. So that's going to do it for us for this evening. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you all for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow night in Peter Primetime for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Oh, out. Oh.